0: Brighton Rock Podcast Extra. Following our podcast recording from Monday evening, we're following up with a later midweek episode just to bring you up to date with a number of things that have happened since that podcast on what has been a pretty busy week football news-wise. First of all... As we were hearing in our last podcast, Fulham were losing 2-0 at home to Burnley while we were recording. It was indeed the way the game ended. Final score, Fulham 0, Burnley 2. That means Fulham mathematically are relegated. They can't catch anybody, including the now 17th-placed Albion. We've dropped two points behind Burnley, unfortunately, uh, is the downside of that result. However... We are mathematically safe. We can begin to plan for next season. Great news all round for the Albion. Commiserations to Fulham, though. I do like Scott Parker. I like their fans. Emilio, who we've had on, and a couple of the ladies we had on before um, from Fulham as well. Great fans in general. When I've met them out and about uh, games, they've always been good good value, decent fans, decent club. It's a decent away day as well, so we've lost quite a bit by losing Fulham. I'd rather certain other clubs would go down, Um, their opponents lost uh, on Monday night, being an example of one. but it is, unfortunately, time up for Fulham. Whether Scott Parker will stay on or not, I think, is yet to be decided. Same with Big Sam at West Brom as well. So we know we're going to be safe for next season. We can start a plan. Transfers, possibly. There's a few names out there. Sander Berg has emerged as one possible option if Basuma needs replacing with a ready-made first-team player. Um, Berg has been with Sheffield United. He was, I think, signed for something, pushing £40 million. Um, but apparently there's a relegation clause in his deal which means he can be sold for as little as 12 million um now that they've gone down would he be a good candidate i think he might there is also another good candidate amongst the relegation sides in fact there's two Diagne who's a bit of a journeyman he's played for several different clubs but his strike rate's been pretty good wherever he's gone he signed for west brom as a forward for them in january and he scored three goals but i think that's only from uh, well, th- th- three goals i think it is from a handful of games um I think, with a better team creating a lot of chances as the Albion do, he could be the missing ingredient he's six foot four, he's strong, he's big he's what we need, he's what we're missing. maybe he'll be an option. I've already mentioned at length all the other people in the championship i I'd, I'd be interested in, but those two are two new names that are interesting possibilities. I think you can also throw into the mix Pereira from West Brom, who would also fit in well um a good player, wide attacker, left foot would be quite decent. If we can't get Dan Juma from Bournemouth, he would be a, certainly a good alternative option. Um, in terms of other news um, that's been big this week so far, championship, Derby, survived dramatic circumstances, as we were describing in our last podcast. Twists and turns galore weren't there in that final game of the season. Um, Wickham were out of it, barring crazy mathematics, but it was a matter of Sheffield Wednesday um, winning at um, derby and rotherham winning at cardiff meant rotherham were going to survive my certainly my choice for who i would have liked unfortunately two late equalizers for the home sides in both those games meant that firstly rotherham and then sheffield wednesday when derby converted their penalty against them were deprived of survival and instead derby did survive however there might be a little bit of a twist in the tale derby Uh, through an EFL appeal, have um, now been found guilty of offences, or so it appears, um, related to financial infractions, not complying with FFP. There was a few shenanigans going on which have been covered pretty well in Price of Football's podcast, amongst others. Essentially, Derby have been seemingly found guilty of that and what is very likely now to occur is for them to receive a hefty fine and a points deduction. Some of these infractions are very similar to Sheffield Wednesday. Sheffield Wednesday, I think wrongly, were applied their penalty points to this season just finishing, where I think it should have been applied to the previous year. In either case, Sheffield Wednesday have got relegated. There is a possibility that, unlike Sheffield Wednesday, Derby may have their points and their, um, their penalty point uh, reduction applied to this season just finishing. If that were to be the case... Wickham, who won 3-0 away from home on that final game of the season at Middlesbrough, and who therefore finished third bottom ahead of Rotherham and Sheffield Wednesday, would actually be the surviving side if Derby get any points deduction. Because Wickham are only a point behind, points deductions would be more than one point... So that could be an interesting twist in the tale. In reality, it's much, much more likely that they'll be applied to next season. But if it is the same as Wednesday, which was 12 points, reduced to 6 on appeal, maybe that could be a difference in Derby survival next season. Personally, I think it will be for next season, and I do think it won't cost Derby survival. But it might hinder their playoff promotion hopes. Interesting matters at hand. We'll wait to see how that story develops. Meantime, another interesting story from the EFL, um, just recorded, uh, recording this on Tuesday and just from this morning. Keith Hill, the manager at Tranmere, who were feeling pretty wronged last season after the season was curtailed and the way it was arranged, Tranmere felt very hard done by to be the victims in being relegated with the conditions that were applied for the Deciding points for the end of the season. They went down, they've battled back, and they've got promotion. um, Well, they've got, sorry, got into the playoffs with a chance of promotion. However, they've decided to sack their manager, Keith Hill, who got them into those playoffs. What exactly this is all about, who knows? One thing for sure, it's very weird timing with the club. Um, having won their last game, I think, and having got themselves into the playoffs, would want to keep confidence going. Sacking a manager before a big match didn't work very well for for Tottenham with Jose Mourinho before the League Cup final. Will it work any better with a stand-in manager in place of Keith Hill? I'm not sure. The reports are that he's fallen out quite seriously with the players, either the majority of or all of the players. If that's the case, yes, it is a pretty untenable position, whether this is the best course of action, I don't know, but it is a pretty bizarre set of circumstances for Tranmere, going into a crucial set of fixtures upcoming. Um, Mark Palios, he's run the club very well. He's He's been criticised in the past for some of his work with the FA and elsewhere, but he, he's done a very good job at Tranmere. He's a, he's a Tranmere fan, he's the owner, he's the chairman, runs the club with his wife, and they've been doing, by all accounts, a very good job. So... It would seem strange for them amongst other clubs to come up with an outrageous decision. It seems there's more to it than meets the eye. Interesting to see how that pans out. Um, Bradford City, they appointed their youth managers, uh, two young guys, on joint manager charge some way through the season after an interim period in charge. They were, I think, appointed on a permanent basis in February. They've actually now been sacked with a statement just saying a new permanent and more experienced manager um, is afoot with finalities coming up soon for that one in terms of their choice. But Bradford have parted company with manager. Another manager, or well, a managerial vacancy that's already there, is at Swindon Town, who have just got relegated from League One to League Two. Um, they're looking at Robbie Fowler, who of course has been managing, I think, in Australia amongst other places. Most recently, he's been playing with the, I think, it's a team called Bengal in India. And he appears to be in the frame for the Swindon job. Interesting to see if he gets that for, um, well, you know, a, a, a challenging job. But it could be quite an interesting project should he come in. We'll wait to see what happens on that. And speaking of the EFL, a team who are now going to be part of the EFL again following their relegation, Sheffield United. Well, Ollie McBurney, who's been out injured for the rest of the season anyway, um apparently may have been arrested, according to police, over an incident filmed on a phone. The BBC website has reported that a 24-year-old man has been arrested after a video emerged on social media appearing to show Sheffield United striker Ollie McBurney in an altercation with some young men. In the video, a man is seen stamping on the phone that he is being filmed on before fighting with another man. North Yorkshire Police said that, to quote... A 24-year-old man had been arrested in connection with an incident which involved another man being assaulted. He remains in custody. The police statement went on. The 21-year-old victim sustained facial injuries during the incident which happened shortly before 8.30pm on Saturday the 8th of May on High Street in Knaresborough. Sheffield United have said that they were to, quote, aware that police are now involved following the emergence of a video circulating on social media over the weekend. As a club, we will do all we can to assist inquiries as well as continue our own investigations. Uh, Well, Scotland's... International McBurney, 24-year-old, is part of the Blade squad whose relegation from the Premier League was confirmed on the 17th of April. Um, He was ruled out of the campaign through injury after fracturing his foot on the 11th of April. Um, Well, not good news for them and... um, if he does prove to be guilty, a pretty unsavoury end to an already pretty gloomy season for Sheffield United. However, I'm still lamenting the loss of their, uh, their same city rival, Sheffield Wednesday, from the Championship. What a great shame. And for them to finish bottom as well. Couldn't have happened to a nicer club. Unlucky, pals. Also, unlucky, as we said before, to Portsmouth missing out on the playoffs. Again, my heart bleeds. But... Happy days for some others and in terms of the teams we're going to face next season, we know Norwich are up, they're up as champions, we know Watford are up and we wait to find out who else we'll be facing next season now that we know it's definitely going to be us in the Prem um, from the four playoff sides, Barnsley, Bournemouth, Brentford and Swansea City, well we wait and we wait to find out. Now, I'm a massive fan of certain football players who have nothing to do with my club. One of those is the absolute legend that is Gianluigi Buffon. Now, the goalkeeper threw two spells with Juventus is announcing that he is going to leave the club for a second time at the end of this season. Um, He is 43 years old. What a record the guy's got. He's won 10 Serie A titles, four Italian cups, he's got 176 international caps, and he holds the record for the most Serie A appearances um, in general, with 656 games in Italy's top flight. He's been quoted as saying, we have reached the end of a cycle, And so it is right for me to take my leave This beautiful and very long experience with Juve Will come to a definitive end later this year Or at the end of this year Either I stop playing Or if I find a situation that motivates me to play Or have a different life experience I will take it into consideration I feel I gave everything for Juve I have received everything And more than this cannot be done Well, if he's looking for a new challenge and a fresh start We're looking for some backup. In our goalkeeping department, would he play second fiddle to Spain's future number one, Bobby Sanch? Who knows? Maybe get on the phone, Uncle Tony. And so to switch matters back to the Albion. So the FA website has this week released a statement from its Regulation and Discipline update. It reads as follows. Brighton and Hove Albion FC's Neil Morpé has been charged with a breach of FA Rule E3... Following their fixture against Wolverhampton Wanderers FC in the Premier League on Sunday, the ninth of May, 2021, this charge is in addition to the automatic suspension applied as a result of his dismissal at full time. It is alleged the forward's language and/or behaviour was abusive and/or insulting and/or improper following his dismissal, and he has until Thursday, the thirteenth of May, 2021, to provide a response. Now he was sent off after the final whistle. Um, it seems to be for foul and abusive language. There are reports that he may have accused the referee of cheating. Now, calling a referee's integrity into question does seem to get frowned on far, far more than just swearing at the referee in general. So if that is what's happened, and we don't know for sure whether it is or not, you can see how he would very likely get an extension to his suspension. This is clearly what this is to look into because he's already got his automatic ban. This is not an appeal against that ban. This is an additional charge the FA are bringing. He could get more than the ban he's going to get at the moment. He could get a hefty fine. I wonder, is he skating on thin ice with Graham Potter? He's reportedly... Well, he was dropped for the Spurs game. It seems reportedly there was some sort of... Uh, exchange of words and opinions that didn't do him too well. There is, of course, the rumours that he might have fallen out with Matty Bryan and there was a fracas perhaps involved there. He could be skating on thin ice, given Graham has got a record for not tolerating um, shithousery amongst the team. We've already seen Florin Andoni shipped out on loan and fallen out. We've seen Matty Ryan seemingly falling into the same category. We've seen others as well. So it doesn't bode too well. I think Neil Morpé might be on his last chance here. And it'll be interesting to see, firstly, what the outcome is of that FA charge. And secondly, what, if anything, is done by the club should that charge be found to, uh, to give him a longer ban pretty frustrating for all the concerns it does mean maybe he might have finished his season as well depending on how long that extension is of course he's going to get banned for a couple of games I think and any more of course there's only one more match left this season so we may have seen the last of him for this year maybe even for good who knows but switching back to the other news Alvin is safe and it's great to hear now the Argus has carried a report sub um, by-lined Tony Bloom, Paul Barber and Albion directors salute staff. The report in the Argus reads, Albion directors have congratulated the club staff on and off the field after a momentous week. The Seagulls' Premier League status for next season was confirmed last night as Fulham lost to Burnley. The past week has also seen the club secure a first ever top six finish in the FA WSL and Academy Silverware in the Premier League Under-17s Cup. Of course, the inaugural winners of that competition, as we clarified in our last episode. The August report continues to then describe the fact that um, 7,900 will be in attendance for the Man City game. But going on, um, the report continues that Paul Barber, has saluted the efforts of all at the club in an email to staff. The message was sent on behalf of Chairman Tony Bloom and all directors. Barber, Albion's Chief Executive and Deputy Chairman, wrote, On behalf of the Chairman and our board, I'd like to offer congratulations and thanks to Graham, Hope, Mark, John, their coaches our medical and support staff and all of our players on their respective achievements and great efforts during this extremely challenging season. Uh, the Mark and John there being Mark Beard, the under-17s coach and presumably John Morling from the academy. Um, Barber went on, A football club also needs excellent people behind the scenes in all of its key areas as well as talented players and coaches. So, again, and on behalf of the chairman and board, I'd also like to add a big thank you all to all of our staff in all departments for your hard work, diligence and great professionalism throughout the season. It has been an epic, hasn't it, guys? And it's brilliant that we've had success in the end. We've... we've achieved our aims, we're playing a better brand of football but still surviving in the Prem that's good, we do need to step on from that but fair play so far in in, Paul, in, in uh, Graham Potter's first two seasons at the Helm Well done to the women on getting a top half of table finish and improving and being the only team to beat Champions Chelsea this season in what is possibly going to be a quadruple season for them. They're halfway towards it at the moment, so a phenomenal result in beating Chelsea, and that, you could argue, was the difference in terms of points to get in that top half. Well done indeed to the under-17s. It's been great all round. Now... We've got one more thing to mention, which is the upcoming game. We're not doing a preview episode this week, um, in addition to anything I'm recording now. So this is it. Just to mention, we've got Wet Sham at the weekend. Um, we've got a two-all draw, taking the lead twice earlier in the season. We have a great record against them. So far, from the seven games in the Premier League era that we faced West Ham, we are unbeaten in all of them. Most of the recent ones have been frustrating draws, each of which I felt we should have won. Uh, particularly the game where we were 2-0 up at the London Stadium and and let the lead slip. However, our overall head-to-head record, including prior to the Premier League era, leaves us with a pretty even record. We have 18 wins, 18 draws and, would you believe it, 18 defeats. So everything is exactly even. The team that wins, if there is indeed a team that wins between the two of us at the weekend, will be in the overall lead. I want us to have the head head advantage over West Ham. I am not a big fan of them. They're not quite down there with Burnley, but they're certainly on a par with Palace, with Portsmouth, and with Millwall and clubs like that, who I am not a big fan of. So please can we win this at the weekend. I do think it's important as well, because we can get up the table. We've slipped below Burnley, we've slipped below Newcastle by our disappointing defeat at the weekend, and those sides' victories. We can get back above them, I still believe we can get a result against West Ham, and I do think we can get a result against Arsenal as well. So if we could get back up a couple of places to fifteenth monetarily it 's good for us. it brings us probably about three or three three and a half million pounds in in extra income to start with secondly there 's the prestige of finishing higher than we would have done, and Graham you know would have more encouragement, more confidence in himself and in his team building forwards into next season it also maybe helps with the appeal to new signings should we get any that we where we're in a battle with other clubs of similar position if we are slightly above them psychologically maybe that just helps win the odds in our favor so we wish the Albion the very best for these remaining three games starting with West Ham at the weekend come on the boys you can do it. So that that's it for me on this shorter extra episode. So until the next time with our West Ham post match review when we will have special guest Charlie Haffenden joining us. Until then, it's Stand Or Fall Up the Albion. Sports Social Podcast Network.